morning, church. Hello, hello, is this on? Amen. Hello, good morning. So it's a good morning. Amen. It's a good morning, not just because you look so cute, um, but it's a good morning um, because my kids are on their way back from an overseas trip. And like any good mother, I've been stalking their flight online. <laughs> Delta Online has this thing where you can, I don't know whether that's like good for me or bad for me, because I'm just like, as long as the plane is staying in the air, as long as it's in the air, I'm good. But all three of them, my three teenagers, they're not here with us. They had an opportunity to go overseas. Uh, a family member gifted them um, with an, a, an amazing trip to Italy, and so I'm so proud of them. They graduated high school. My oldest son just got through his very first year of college, so it is a good Sunday morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so before I get into the preaching, we do have a video that we want to play for you. Is that right? Yes? Okay, cool. All right, we're going to play this video real quick. That's right. So if you didn't know already, we're having BBS this week, you guys. <laughs> and it's going to be an incredible week. I'm really excited because I have the esteemed privilege of leading our babies um, in the word this week. I'm the preschool director. Where's my VBS preschool team at? Where you at? Where you at? Give it up, preschool. Preschool can be scary, but preschool can be the best experience ever. And when I tell you I love me some babies, I had five, just in case you wanted to check the validity of that statement, okay? And my little people, they my people. When they come into church, I'm like, hey, I kind of go to them first before I go to the moms and dads. Sorry, but they're like the superstar in my eyes. Because you know, once you have kids, it's not about you no more. Everybody goes to your babies, right? So we got a whole crew of babies in the back over there. And when everybody walks through the door, it's just my spirit lights up. And, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity, especially um, what just along the line, something of what Mo just mentioned is the impact that you can have on a young brain. Um, and I just think it's absolutely incredible, again, that I get the privilege to be able to speak into the lives of four, five, and six-year-olds. And their, brain, their brains are like sponges. And whatever you tell them, as long as it's the right thing, you know, they'll absorb it, you know. And I, I'm just looking forward to this week. And, you know, we've got a lot of things going on. Um, in the church, before I get started, I just want to make one small announcement that women, our e-Bible study will be canceled again this week. I'm so sorry. There's just been so much happening, um, but we will resume the following, and I'll make sure to just put out a, an announcement about that online. But thank you for following along, even with all the changes and being flexible. Amen. Um, so, wow, I just... I just have a sense of God's presence in this room. I mean, I woke up this morning, I had such an overwhelming peace, and so I just kind of want to charge the atmosphere just with a word of prayer real quick. I believe that God is in this room. I believe that you're hungry this morning. I saw you in the spirit, and I saw you with a great thirst and a great hunger to want to meet with God. You didn't come out this morning in this most pristine, most beautiful, gorgeous, no humidity day to be sitting in here and not meet with Jesus, right? You came here this morning because you want more of him. You came here this morning because you need more of him. You came here this morning because there's something in your
a soul that just will not settle without knowing that God is going before you to do that thing in which he intended from the very beginning. Amen. So why don't we just take a moment, Lord, I just thank you for this place. I just thank you, Father, that your presence and your spirit are here. I thank you that there's a freedom that rests. I believe, Jesus, that your word is present. I believe that the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is here to do what I cannot do, oh God. I believe that there's a peace that's resting among your people today. That it's not just for me, oh God, but it's for every person under the sound of my voice, whether they are in front of me live or whether they are joining us in our online community, God, I ask that you would just lay a heaviness of your presence upon them. Let it just be us and you, God, like as if no one else is in the room. Just me and you, Jesus, so that your word can go into the places that it needs to go. Holy Spirit, travel into the deep places in us this morning so that we might glorify your name. And everyone said, amen, amen. You know, last night I, um, I, had, I had the opportunity to do a live painting at a concert, um, and it was amazing. The room was entirely packed. The music was just super loud and amazing, amazing. I mean, the Holy Spirit just came in like a flood, and I was overwhelmed by his presence. And it's amazing how we can be in a crowd of people. We can be, all of us, right, in this room. And yet last night, I literally felt like it was just me and Jesus. I mean, I remember the very first time that I ever did a live painting. Pastor George asked me to do that here several years ago, and I was scared out my mind. And I told him, okay, I'll do it. As long as the, eagles, the, the easel is turned towards me and nobody can see it, I'm like, I'll do it. And I did it. And I did it afraid, but I did it, and I could feel all of you in the room. <laughs> there was not one of you I couldn't feel with their eyes on me. But last night, my God, to be in a room that is filled with worship and praise, but to feel like I was the only one with Jesus in that moment was just an incredible gift. And so my prayer for you today as we get into the word is that, that, um, that the Holy Spirit would gift you with that experience as well, that you would feel this morning that it is just you and him engaged in a conversation, engaged in some thought-provoking um, ideas and um, inspirations from him. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I just, I want to I do a little VBS run-through, okay? Um, my preaching is not necessarily on all these topics. However, these are really powerful topics that our children are going to be learning this week. And so when Mo asked you to um, stay in prayer, stay in prayer over these topics. Because day one, overall, our topic is that Jesus rescues, right? When you're lonely, Jesus rescues. Day one. Psalm 27:10. The Lord will hold me close when I worry. Day two, when I worry, Jesus rescues. Psalm 34:19. The Lord comes to the rescue each time. Day three, when you struggle, Jesus rescues. Psalm 46:10. Be still and know that I am God. When you do wrong, Jesus rescues. John 16, 33. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Day four, when you, or is this day five? When you are, is that five? When you are powerless, when you are powerless, Jesus rescues. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. 
And our, our, our theme is shipwrecked, as you can see. And I've just got this sense in my spirit that there may be some of you that are walking out your walk right now, and you might be feeling a little shipwrecked. You might be feeling very isolated. You might be feeling alone. But I want you to know this morning that the helper has come. I want you to know this morning that there is help available, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your marriages, whether it's in your ministries. I know there are people that have been sitting here in the house of God for many years. There are some veteran Christians in here. And I want to speak to you today and let you know that help is here for you. And sometimes that phrase can get a little cliche because we hear it so much because we're so Christianized, because we're so, you know, church oriented that sometimes the weight of that statement doesn't hold as much water as it did when you first got saved and you were fully surrendered because now some pain has settled in and some now maybe some bitterness has set in and some, so now you have seen things that are imperfect within the church, but I want to speak to you this morning and tell you that your helper has come. The help is on the way. The Lord has seen your SOS in the spirit, right? You ever seen those movies where a big SOS is kind of implanted on the sand? I want you to know that your soul, as your soul cries out, there's an SOS going up to the, to the Lord. And I want you to know help is on the way and that you are not alone. Whether you feel shipwrecked because maybe there's a dream that you've dreamt that has not yet come to pass. And I know that I talk about this often. When I'm up here, I know. But because I know what it is to be hopeless in a situation that you hoped so vibrantly for. And the Lord wants you to know that you just got to keep going and keep going and keep going. And you got this and you're not doing it alone. Amen. Because the years can wear on us. And sometimes things get hard. But God is with us. All right, I want to, I'm old school today. I have my Bible up here. I didn't have my, uh, I didn't want to run the risk of my battery running out on my phone. So I, um, I'm in the Word this morning in John 11. Um, and we're going to be talking about this morning the story of Lazarus um, in a message I've entitled, Remove the Stone. And no, this is not Resurrection Sunday morning. No, this is not Easter. However... This message and this context is ever relevant. We should be talking about resurrection on an ongoing basis. It's not just about the death of Christ, but it's about the resurrection and what came alive after. And although we won't be talking this morning about the resurrection of Christ himself, but we will be talking about the resurrection of Lazarus in a story that you might be very, very familiar with. So if you could turn your Bibles or go to your Bible apps and if you can head on over to John 11... I'm going to be starting from verse 17. All right. Why don't we? I'm reading out of the NIV. I think I had asked Val to do it in ESV, but whatever you're reading from is absolutely fine. Let me get my glasses on because I can't see. All right. Verse 17. So when Jesus came... He found that he, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha had said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. She was looking for something afar off. But he's like, I'm right here. Whatever you need right here, right now, I'm it, I'm here. You don't have to wait. So he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, through me, though, through me he may, though he may die, I'm sorry, he shall live. And whoever believe, lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are Christ, the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Verse 28, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, but if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. I want you to know this morning that when you are going through a difficult situation, there is a groan that's coming forth from the presence of God because he's taking compassion on you and on your situation. And there may have been people that look at you and they may roll your eyes at the same complaint that you have all over again. They may, there may be some people who are tired of hearing that thing that's still bothering you inside. But I want you to know that we have what's called a high priest. Jesus is our high priest. And he has been touched with the feeling of our infirmity. And not just physically, but internally within us. And for me, this is the one of the most beautiful, powerful scriptures because it's showing here that although Jesus is fully God and he has all the power of the kingdom of heaven within him, he still is looking upon his daughters with compassion and he weeps with them. He takes the time to weep with them because they are weeping. So the scripture goes on to say, Jesus wept in scripture, uh, verse 35. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone." In some versions, it says that he commanded them to remove the stone. And, you know, Martha, the sister of him, I'm reading on in the scripture, who was dead, said to him, Lord, but by this time there is a stench for he has been dead four days. And did I, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? 
And for some of you, you've said, but this dream, but this expectation, but this hope, but this thing in me has been dead for so long. This desire to want to move forward, this desire to want to even preach the word again, the desire to want to be a better parent again, the desire to be a better spouse. This thing died in me a long time ago. And Jesus is now challenging her and he says, but don't you know that this would be unto the glory of God? In verse 34, sorry, one second. If we could get verse 34 up there. Jesus had asked, where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Now, sometimes in the midst of everything we're going through, the Holy Spirit will come in and he'll say to you, where have you laid down that dream? Where did you lay down that hope? Where have you laid down those troubles? Where have you laid down your burdens? Where have you laid down your doubts? Where have you laid down your insecurities? Where have you laid down your hopelessness? Where have you laid down your questions? Where have you placed them? Where have you put them? Are they surrendered at the foot of the cross? Are they surrendered into the will of God? Where have you laid your sin? Where have you laid your discouragement? Where have you laid the plans in your heart? Where have you laid them? You know, and this, this is very conducive as to where our faith is. So if you're wondering today, gee, I don't know where I've placed these things. Think about where your faith lies. Where have you laid up those plans that you had in your heart, are they surrendered to God? Or are they just floating around in your brain just waiting for a good idea to pop off so that you could get that thing started? Because sometimes you may not even feel like you've lost faith. You might have gone down another corner. You might have walked down another road not realizing it was because you were so discouraged that you decided to have a plan B. Because what happens is, in the moment of our affliction, in the moment where we're confused, in the moment where all these things, like what was happening to Martha and Mary, when you're in this place, pain can be distracting. Pain can be distracting. Sometimes the pain can be so intense that you forget that there's a solution on the other side. Sometimes the pain can be so intense that you become confused. You don't know whether you're coming or going, whether that's internally or physically. Amanda, one of our friends here at the church, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this because she put this out there on social media. She recently had a kidney stone, right? Now, if any of you, now I've never had one, but if any of you have ever had a kidney stone, you know that it is excruciating pain. I mean, and I've heard that it is likened to childbirth. I don't know how true that is, but, but I'll take it. And I know that when Amanda was posting about the pain of her kidney stone, she just kept saying, I just want this gone. I just want this gone. And I'm sure that her body felt like it was dying because the pain was so excruciating when there was a simple solution. And within a few days, it was relieved. It was relieved, right? She's okay now? Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure. And she's doing better. But that stone, sometimes.
in us, the pain of your waiting, the pain of the unresolved issues distracts you and tries to disgrace you. Because in the midst of pain, sometimes we make choices and decisions that lead us down a road of compromise. And what happens is that pain brings us shame. Because now we start walking out of a place that we never intended to, but because we got this wave we, of pain, we just wanted to go away. Right? You're out of that pain in your foot. Maybe you're walking a long time and you're trying to go to sleep at night. You just want that pain to go away so you can rest. And sometimes what happens is we fall into a road of compromise, even in the smallest things. Now, I know when I say fall into compromise, a lot of you may think the big sins, the big things, right? But it's not just the big things. It's the little things. It's the little things. Those of you who have been walking in the Lord for a very long time and you've got a strong fear and anchor of God and in the Lord in you, you understand what I'm saying. It's that moment where you say no to God in your heart, but nobody can see it. I can't see it. I can't see that you said no to God unless God prophetically shows me. And there are these little compromises that we can begin to make on a daily basis. We stop reading our word. Maybe we stop spending time in prayer because we say to ourselves secretly, well, what use is it? God's not listening. This thing has not yet come to pass. God, don't you see I'm in a place of pain? And well, every time I go and I get before the Lord, he don't listen to me anyway. But nobody knows this is your road of compromise. Nobody knows that inside you, you really don't want to be up here praying on the prayer team secretly. Maybe there's something in you that's saying, you know what? I really don't want to be on the worship team anymore singing. You know what? I'm kind of done. You know what, God? I don't really want to spend time with you in prayer because really what's the use? The pain doesn't go away. The situation doesn't change. So what am I left with? I'm left with the pain. And I said earlier that help is on the way. And sometimes God doesn't remove the situation. Sometimes he doesn't take away the pain immediately. But Paul talked about a thorn that he had in his side. And the Bible doesn't specify exactly what that is. But sometimes God will allow that trial to remain. He'll allow that thorn to stay in your side. He'll allow that trouble and that affliction To stay right in front of you. And as much as you continue to move forward, that thing is still, that thing is still there. And you frustrated already. Like, when's it just going to go? You know what? Forget it, God. I don't want to go to you no more. I don't want to. I'll sing. I'll sing while I'm sitting in my seat. I'll lift my hands. You know, because that's the right thing to do. I'll be churchy. I'll be cute. I'll say hi. I'll show up. But your heart is far from God. And I believe this morning that God wants to deal with those little places of compromise on the inside of us. Not so that you could feel condemned. Not so that anyone in here has to be put to shame. Not so that anyone in here feels like, ooh, I did something wrong. No, it's not for that. It's so that you can come back into right relationship with God. Because it's these little things. Don't you understand that it's these little things that lead us to the bigger compromises? It starts in the little things. It starts when you put down your Bible and you choose not to get in your word. Can I tell you that is the biggest mistake that you might be making right now in your life? If you're not picking up that word daily, I'm not talking about once a week. 
daily, if you're not picking up that word daily, you're being fed with something else. I promise you, you are. I promise you. If you are not laying down those insecurities and laying down those those, um, doubts and that faithlessness and that despair, if you're not laying that down in prayer, I promise you, you're laying it down somewhere else. You're laying it down, but you're not laying it down before God. God's searching this morning. Where have you laid that thing down? You know, maybe you need to take a minute. Where did I lay that down? Did I lay it down in that bed with that man that I know doesn't really love me? Did I lay that insecurity and that hopelessness down in a job that's going to get me nowhere that I know God didn't call me to, but because I couldn't wait on God to provide for me, but because I had to struggle a little bit, I said to myself, I'm going to lay this right here. Maybe you lay down your gifting in a place where it doesn't belong. Maybe you lay down your pearls into a friendship that was never meant to grow. Maybe you've laid down things in unhealthy places, but the Lord wants to redeem that this morning. The Lord sees your soul hungry and crying out for the fulfillment of the thing that you know won't let you rest on the inside of you. He knows, he sees it, but he's like, where'd you lay that down? Where? And sometimes we don't have eyes to see because when we're in pain, we're conflicted. When we're in pain, we might be blinded, but the Holy Spirit is here to shed a light on the inside of you this morning to detect where exactly that thing is. Because I hear the Spirit of God saying, I want that back. I want that back. I see the army angels coming and saying, no, I'm going to take it back. Because there's something that you cannot do. Do not be deceived. You cannot take that thing back. You cannot. You cannot. You gave it away. You put it down in a place and opened up the door. You might have opened up the door to the enemy in a place where, now how can I get it out of his hands? You can't. And that is the most humbling part of our walk with God, is that we can't. Because if we could then churches all around the world would not be filled. Because if we could do all this in our own strength and be victorious and successful, there would be no need for any pew, no need for the Spirit of God. But Christ is present in and through us to redeem, to bring back to life the things that we've laid in the wrong place. And maybe you've laid that place literally in a grave in your soul. There could be literally like a grave that you've set up for your soul so, you know, I'm reminded of there's, there's something called your reserve memory. I don't know if you all know about this, but I read a little bit about this. Um, there's a powerful woman of God. Um, her name is Dr. Carolyn. Uh, I forget her last name. But anyway, I read some of her books, and she, um, she talks about the mind and the brain and science and how it, um, it, it combines with God and, and how God uses the brain. But there's something that we have in our brain called a reserve memory. And in your reserve memory is where you've placed certain things that have happened to you, whether they be traumatic, um, whether they be uh, maybe things that you've chosen to forget. But there's a reserve memory in your brain. And what you don't realize is that there may be some things that are stuck in that grave, in that reserve memory part of your brain 
that you chose to put there in a moment of pain. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is bringing that back up in you this morning so that he can resurrect it. Because he knows where he laid it down. He is the great counselor. He is the one who can redeem life and the life of Christ in us. So we can consciously pull away from the ease of the call to live lives under the yoke and the easiness of Christ. And we can attempt to handle things through our own strength. But why? But why do that, right? Why do that? Verses 38 to 39 say, Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away or remove the stone. Stones build walls. Stones build walls. And if you balance them out the right way, you can go pretty high in the walls that you create. They keep out hopes and dreams and love and faith, and it keeps out the possibility of the future that you have in Christ. Jesus, in this scripture, makes a demand to remove the stone. But what's, if we're not careful, and we say, in our pain, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this stone here. This thing is blocking the way. And if that stone is not surrendered to Christ, we can become accusatory against people. We could say, oh, it's the church's fault that my call hasn't come to pass. It's the church's fault that I haven't grown in the Lord. It's the church's fault. It's the church's fault. And then what happens is before you know it, you got stones in your hand. And you've picked up those stones of discouragement and you've become just like the Pharisees. And you start stoning the ones that you accuse. And you start condemning. And you start being critical. And you start being angry. And you start victimizing yourself, blaming everyone else for what you're going through. Instead of taking responsibility over your own faith and laying that stone before God. Sometimes that stone could be a broken heart. And sometimes that broken heart could feel like nothing. It could feel worthless as a sacrifice to God. But sometimes all he wants is your brokenness. Sometimes that's just good enough. Sometimes he's just groaning in the spirit so that you would take that thing and just lay it down. Just lay that thing down. Why do that to ourselves? Why? Why do we hold on to those pains? Sometimes it can become just too heavy. Sometimes we take our stones to the office where we work. Maybe you're working late hours just to impress people because you've taken the stones of your discouragement. You've taken the stones and you've placed them in places they don't belong. Sometimes you could carry your stones all the way into the bar, into happy hour, where you start drinking and you partying. But guess what? When you go home and that buzz goes away, your stones are still going to be there. If they're not laying at the feet of Jesus, if they're not given at the foot of the cross, you could do whatever you want to try to lull and get rid of that pain. But I promise you, that thing will remain. And the more stones you carry, the heavier you become, the more you can fall into addiction, the more you can fall into compromise because you just want relief. Because you're trying to put those stones, that heaviness down in something, in somewhere. 
That might be a weekend's rendezvous. You might decide that your husband and your wife ain't doing it for you no more. You just decided, you know, I'm going to do me, and I'm going to go on the side, and I'm going to have an affair, and I'm good. Like, I'm cool, right? But then even that won't release the heaviness because when you get home, you got to deal with what you just did. And don't tell me, only, only somebody who don't have a heart in them isn't going to deal with what they've just done to themselves and to the person that they love and committed themselves to. Some even take the stones to church, like I was just saying a moment ago. You lay the stones in your hands and you try to comfort the people who have sacrificed to do church for you. And I'm not saying that because of anything personal. I'm saying that because I know I myself was in a position where I used to look to the church as my savior. I used to think the church was going to fulfill for me what only Christ could. And I used to accuse the church of things, and I used to say, well, the church ain't doing this, so so I can't be that. And the church ain't doing this, so I can't grow. But then one day, I realized, because I grew up, because that's what happens when you grow up. You start realizing some things, and you realize, oh, wait, to be mature is to take responsibility, To be mature in the Lord is to take accountability. And I realize that if I'm not growing, it's only because I choose not to grow. The world could be falling around, falling down around me. The church could be falling down around me. But the promise is that I'm a tree planted by the waters. The promise is, is that I'm going to be planted and rooted and my, my, my shoots are going to grow forth fruit. The promise is, is that out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water, and that's not conducive to what the church is doing for me, what my family is doing for me, what my friends are doing for me. That's up to me. That's up to you. But there's resurrection. And you know, resurrection is a funny thing here. Because the whole idea of something dying just to come alive again Seems foolish to the flesh. Well, God, why would you send your son just to die? Like, you could just do your thing and poof, everything is better again. Why would you die? Why would Lazarus have to die? Why would my dream have to die? Why does the scripture tell me that I have to die to myself? Why did Abraham have to take the promise and lay it out as a sacrifice and wait in faith? That God would provide if only he were going to resurrect all of it. Why? Some of you might be saying that. Why? Why did God ask me to lay down that dream? Because I don't see it coming to pass. I don't see that thing that I told Jesus that I would be on fire for him about. I don't see it having life anywhere in my life. And it's been a long time. And I don't see it alive anywhere. And I'm scared. Because I don't see it moving anymore. I know I'm speaking to someone this morning. I don't see that dream moving anymore. It, it, it looks like it doesn't have life anymore. It, I, don't, I don't know if I need, you know, to just let this go and bury it in that grave in my head, in my soul, in my mind. Or I don't know if I should get before God. But, it, but, 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 this thing, but I'm scared because this thing, this thing I love, this thing I hoped for. But could it be that God is allowing it to die so he can resurrect it under a new foundation? 
And sometimes things die in our lives. We die so that we can be built back up on the right foundation. Because God is more concerned with our character than he is about putting something into our hands. What good is it? What good is it if you got everything you asked for and yet didn't have the character to sustain that? Then you'd be like everybody else. That's right. You could give that a clap because we all need that. We all need some integrity on the inside of us. A lot of us say, oh, I want the platform. I want the platform. I want to get up there. I want to sing. I have a gift. I want to do this. But please understand the sacrifice. Understand that the seats that you sit in have been born in prayer. They have been planted there by sacrifice. It looks cute. The stage looks amazing. I mean, everybody's done a wonderful job here at the church making this place look bomb. Lights, amazing. But are you ready to go under attack? Are you ready for hell and high water to come against you? Are you ready for death to happen all around you and you still get on your knees for those people that betray you? Are you ready to get up here and to go before the Lord and the people of God and maintain the thing that God put on the inside of you? Now, I don't want to discourage anybody because I believe some of you are called to the platform. I believe that you have a gifting in you. I believe that God will call that out in the right time. But what I'm saying is, is that you have to have the wherewithal. You have to have the character to be able to be sustained or you will be like these people out here who go really high and fall really low before the people. Understand what I'm saying to you. And when we don't do the right thing with what we are given, the Bible says that we are crucifying Christ all over again on that cross. And I know I don't want to crucify Christ in my life all over again. He died that death and was put to shame one time, one time. Far be it from me to take what he's given me, to put him back up on that cross before people and publicly shame his name because I choose not to remove the stone, because I choose not to lay that stone at his feet, because I choose to take that stone and throw it at the people of God, because I choose to take my pain and allow it to distract me. God forbid, God forbid that we become those people. I believe that in the same way that God called Lazarus back to life, and I want to read that. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And I believe that the same is going to be unto you this morning. That there's going to be a willingness in you to do what the Lord is asking you to do. Because after all their questioning and after all their doubting, they submitted and they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died and that thing that may have died in you and that dream that may have died in you and that hope that may have died in you and that relationship that may have died before you. 
And that experience that may have died and gives you no good feeling anymore on the inside of you. Jesus calls to come forth. And he came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And I want to close with this. God wants to free you so that you can free other people. God wants you to take down the stones of your wall and do it with peace and do it with humility and do it with grace and do it with mercy so that you can show someone else how to remove the stones out of their own life. Because once Jesus called forth Lazarus, He required Mary and Martha and the people standing near to loosen the grave clothes. Jesus didn't take off the grave clothes of Lazarus. He required that of the people and he requires that of me and you this morning. And I know that our worship team is scarce of one person. So I know we have some music that we're going to gently play in the background, just some instrumental But I want you all to stand to your feet. Because I had this really cool idea in my head, kind of like what Pastor George did. I was inspired by his prophetic act with the Legos. And I kind of wanted to give you all a stone as you walked in. But because my life has been so crazy, I forgot (laughs) to give you the stone. Because I was probably distracted by watching the plane fly over the Atlantic to make sure that my children come back safe, which they are still in the air, so praise God. But I had this vision of you taking the stone and coming to the altar and laying it down in its rightful place. Now, I don't have that physical stone to give you today, but you know what that stone is that you've made a wall with. You know where that stone lays. You know where the place of your complacency is. You know where the place of your doubt is. And maybe, just maybe, God didn't allow me to give you that physically because it would be easier to just come up here and just put it down. But when it comes to matters of the heart, Jesus wants you to just willingly lay it down. Does that make sense? So I want you, as we begin to pray, to consider what that stone is and where have you laid it. And if you have found that you have laid that stone in the wrong place and you have determined after hearing this entire message that there is a need for you to lay that thing down at the foot of the cross, then while our eyes are closed, I want you to make your way up to the front and I want to give you the opportunity to lay that down. But I heard the Lord say I was was preparing for this. The biggest stone is the sin that doesn't have the blood accounted for. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to be redeemed. Today is the day to be washed clean. So you might be in this room and you may not know Jesus. You may be in this room and you might be a backslidden Christian. 
That is an old school word. Backslidden, meaning your heart has slid away from the fear of God. And your heart is in a backslidden state. I want to invite you this morning with every head bow and every eye closed. As you evaluate that stone. As you evaluate where you've laid it down. If you are in this room and your sin is not accounted for by the blood. Or you have forgotten that the blood still works. That the blood still forgives, that the blood still redeems, that the blood still has the power as when it first found you. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come down or you can stay in your seat or you could do whatever it is that you'd like to do. But I want to pray this prayer first over the unbeliever or the backslidden Christian. And if you want to repeat after me, by all means, you can repeat after me. Jesus, I am a sinner, and I need your blood, and I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you died for my sin, and I believe that you were resurrected back to life, and I believe that you will come back for me again one day, and I allow you to have sovereignty in my life. And I accept your forgiveness. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would come live and breathe on the ever innermost parts of me. And I believe that I am free. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I want you to know this morning that if you have that stone... That you are not without help because Jesus is here to rescue the places in you. To tear down that wall in you. If that's you this morning as I pray, I want you to come to the front. Holy Spirit, you know everything that we've laid down. Whether it's been before your feet or it's been in the wrong places. But your spirit, God, has come to redeem this morning. Your spirit has come so that we might have life and life more abundantly. Your spirit has come to break every chain and to destroy every yoke. And I know this morning that you are breaking walls of affliction down in Jesus' name. I declare over your people that this pain would no longer torment them. To the point where they're running to and from to try to find relief. But I declare in Jesus' name that they are finding rest for their souls right here and right now. Because your spirit is alive and it is well and it is able to do the things that our flesh cannot do. So Lord, we surrender We surrender to your will. We surrender to your way. Whether it's going the way that we thought or whether it's falling apart or whether it's coming alive. But Lord, we lay it before you. We lay this church before you. We lay the work. We lay the foundation. We we lay the vision. We lay it down before you, oh God. That you might come in due season. 
in the right time, in the right way, in the right spirit, with the spirit of peace, that when you come and we are ready, you would resurrect that thing to life. And I want to ask you a funny thing, God. I want to ask that you not allow not one person in here to be elevated without the integrity and character of the Holy Spirit to keep them steadfast in that thing that you've called them to. I ask that you not allow it, God. Because you love us. But rather, God, I pray that every person in here would begin to take responsibility and accountability over the integrity of their walk with you. That you would cause your word to come alive and off the pages at them when they sit down to hear from you. God, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the people that you have planted here, God. I pray that they would grow like trees planted by the water and that they would bear much fruit and that you would teach all of us how to teach one another. And I pray that you would use us to sharpen each other, Jesus. I thank you this morning for everyone in here. And in this spirit, God, in this spirit of peace, Let your presence remain with your people throughout the week. Let your spirit remain in their homes. Provide for them everything that they need. Let them run to you when they're looking for a place to lay down their burdens, to lay down their cares. You care for us. You love us. And you give us more than what we could ever imagine. And we thank you. And we will remember to stay careful to give you all the glory all the days of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen.